Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my co-partner, my wife, my life, my... What do I call you? I don't know. What do you call yourself? (laughs) Just Jen. (laughs) Just Jen. And we're here with you on a bright, sunshiny morning. Mm -hmm. Good morning, Vietnam. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. That was your clue. That is a clue. That's the clue. What is the clue? What is that movie? Is That's it? it's with Robin Williams. I think it was called Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, okay. It's a war movie. I don't watch those. See, the irony is it's morning here, but in Vietnam, it's like almost 10 o'clock p.m. Yes. in the nighttime. 14 hours ahead. Yes. And we're interviewing a guest today. Super, super excited to have uh, this guy come on the show, but he's in Vietnam currently. That's pretty cool. Vietnam's supposed to be beautiful. I know. I've never been. I wanted to go to Thailand, but it did not, like Vietnam did Mm -hmm. not rise to the top of my list, but like on several different occasions in the last month, I've heard Vietnam. Yeah. You you have to just make things happen. What? Book that flight and go to Vietnam. We're in the midst of a pandemic. I'm sure flights are real cheap right now. I'm sure flights are non-existent right now. Countries have closed their borders. No, 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 no. I just saw somebody book a flight for like $49 all the way to Florida. From where? From California. Well, I guess they are cheap, but like I I fly at your own risk. Yeah, no, thank you. We'll stay home. Get in a big metal tube 30,000 feet up with a whole bunch of others. Who knows who's got the corona? You know what? And the thing about flying is I swear to you, three days after I fly, I always get sick. Well, we shouldn't be flying then. No, I know. So I'm not going to play that game. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to have our guest on. Matt Lansidell is coming on. And uh, this guy is awesome. Like, he's just got great perspective. He has a um, really interesting view of life, recovery, potential, and how to kind of awaken the soul, spirit within, connect to that a a lot more. I mean, he's had his own journey, and his journey um, has not been awesome, not been without challenges, but I think mm-hmm. the place he's in now really has equipped him to be a uh, great resource for us and for the people that are listening. So I'm excited. He's written a new book. Uh, he's got a, we- a website, Matt Lansidel, L-A-N-D-S-I-E-D-E-L.com, Matt Lansidel.com, uh, written a book, Be the Space. I love that name. Yeah, it sounds sounds very interesting. I know. Uh, it's going to be interesting, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to have him on. Should we get him on? Should we get a talk? Let's call Vietnam. Let's call Vietnam, and let's talk to Matt. Yes, sounds good. All right. Thank you for joining me. I've got Matt Lansidell on the podcast with us today, coming to us all the way from Vietnam. So uh, welcome to the show, Matt. How are you? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Now, in uh, in Vietnam, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning here. So what is it, like 9 p.m. there? Is that right? 
Yep, 9 p.m. Wow, as a former financial advisor, I did the math right. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Four, 14 hours ahead of us. Wow, so you're just yeah. getting ready to go to bed, and we just got out of bed. Yeah, exactly. So we're both <laughs> tired, basically. Now, for a while. Well, uh, we're so glad to have you on. And, um, you you know, as I um, read through some of the posts that you've made and and some of your story, I just thought you would be a great guest to uh, come on our show. So I just want to, for everyone's benefit, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'd love to know how you ended up in uh, Vietnam, but specifically, you know, some of the things that uh, you've gone through as challenges in your life that uh, maybe could provide some encouragement and uh, inspiration, maybe some hope for others. Yeah, you bet. I'll uh, maybe I'll just start about talking a bit about myself professionally, and then we can kind of go into my my origin story, talk a bit about my uh, my personal upbringing and and whatnot. All of it sounds awesome. Um, I have a, a company called Matlab Little Coaching, and um, I do transformation coaching and intuitive coaching as well. And then I uh, I write books as well. So I just finished writing my first book called Be the Space. And essentially, what I do is I work with people that are looking to heal through shame and uh, shame wounds and, and step more into their authenticity, kind of become who they know that they can become and, and be able to kind of step out of the person that, they're, that they've been afraid to, uh, they've been in, in their life. Um, this all kind of started with, with myself being, um, growing up, I had a, a drug addiction growing up. So I was uh, from the age of about 11 when I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol. Over the course of those, uh, up until about 17, I, I was really just experimenting and, and using drugs. And by the time I got to 17 years old, I developed a crack addiction. That lasted from about 17 to about 24 years old, where basically just my life kind of got turned upside down. And I was grappling a lot with a bunch of different things in my life that had occurred some traumas and dealing with my sexuality because uh, growing up gay was, was a big challenge for myself. So yeah, I, I ended up going to rehab around the age of uh, 18, 19 years old and just really, really struggled when I got out of rehab as well. I wasn't comfortable with a lot of things in my life. I wasn't comfortable with my own skin. So I just continued to live that lifestyle of, of using and abusing and trying to escape my feelings and, and, and myself. And what I did uh, once I, I got myself sober is I, I went to school for um, addiction counseling. So I did addiction counseling for Uh, just under 10 years, and then transitioned into doing some fitness nutrition coaching. And then now I'm kind of bringing everything back full circle. So I've I've started to do some counseling again after taking about five years off of doing uh, counseling. And now I'm kind of calling it transformation coaching, where I work with people in just really betterment, betterment of themselves. But my areas of expertise are weight loss and shame healing, because I feel like they're all kind of very similar flavors. Like with weight loss, I work with a lot of clients with food addiction and emotional eating, and that's really about repression. And then shame is, is kind of a real underpinning of addiction. So it's kind of all kind of flavors together. Thank you, number one, for being authentic and being candid and, and being real. You know, to struggle with addiction, you know, I, I thought I was an alcoholic back in 2008 and 2009. During the yeah. last recession, I, uh, well, I'd been drinking quite a bit up to that point, but I was going through a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka every two days. And so that was like the big Costco vodka bottles type thing, you know? And then, you know, all of a sudden in 2008, 2009, you know, honestly, I just, I just surrendered. I just uh, could not continue to live life that way. And I, and I just gave it to God. I consider myself at that time, a kind of a Christian atheist. I, um, you know, believed in God, but not a lot about my life was, was following him at that time. And so, I just decided yeah. to uh, recommit, and after that, went through seven years of uh, volunteered 
counseling myself. I cannot speak more highly about counseling. And it sounds like you'll sing the, the praises of counseling as well. I, I just think sometimes yeah. we're not given a roadmap to how to sort ourselves out, why we make some of the decisions that we do or where some of our, our frames that we've put ourselves in have come from. And I think counseling is one of those huge must-have kind of things to sort yourself out, especially when you feel like you keep kind of making some of the same decisions that you used to make, you know, that aren't yeah. great decisions yeah. for yourself. So thank you for being transparent. I, I, I do appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, you said you struggled with, um, you know, your sexuality and kind of growing up. Do you think that was the origin of some of your pain that you were experiencing that, that led to addiction? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I would probably say out of, uh, you know, there's, there's three kind of main, main events that occurred in my life. So my parents um, splitting up. What age were you when that uh, happened? I was uh, eight years old when they split. So that was, a, that was a real tough, you know, time for me, just kind of feeling very unsafe and in my experiences and, and kind of everything that I knew kind of just crumbled, right? And and lost control of what was going on in my life. And then I was able to kind of get away with doing a lot of things because I, I would go between houses. So that's when I started to really manipulate my parents and, you know, go to parties and say I was sleeping at one parent's house and be at the other because they didn't talk, right? Mm-hmm. So I was able to really kind of get into those really risky situations where I was able to start using at a very young age. And I, I've known since I was about probably five years old that I was different. Because um, I wasn't really articulate enough to be able to understand what was actually happening, but then as like you get older, you start to hear the word "fag" or being gay or whatever, and you start to kind of realize that this is something that you are. And I learned very quickly to hide that aspect of myself because it was something that you'd get shamed for, or get you know abused or whatever it was. So I, uh, I chose to kind of hide that aspect of myself till I was about eighteen, and it was through that repression that I really I, I used drugs and alcohol to escape the shame. Really, is what it was, and and I didn't I didn't really know shame as well as I do now, obviously, to understand what it was and how it was affecting my life. And even until recently, like I'm doing a lot of shadow work in my life currently, which is reintegrating and befriending the aspects of ourselves that we push away throughout our development, right? Things that we don't like about ourselves and things that we've been taught that aren't good about ourselves or whatever it might be. As I'm doing this this shadow work, I'm really, really, you know, marching through the trenches of shame and, and kind of reintegrating those aspects of myself and learning how to love myself in in a very unconditional way, something that I've never actually been able to do in, in my life. So it's cool. It's kind of like I'm at this really neat place in my life where I'm learning how to love myself finally. You know, it's like you yeah. feel, we feel like we work, we work so hard on, on this you know, in our, in our lives is learning how to love ourselves and, and, and come into that place of remembrance of, of our divinity or, or of just of our, of our essence. Right. And we finally, you know, get, can get to that place in our lives when we, I like the word surrender, like you use it, we surrender to God and we, we get reminded of that we are child of God essentially, or we, we are of that same essence. Now, did you, did you grow up with a uh, spiritual background? I grew up Catholic, but I was—I uh, didn't ever take it seriously. I like I was baptized and I went to the communion and all that sort of stuff, but I never ever practiced. And and you can still to this day, I'm not a—I don't consider myself a Catholic. I would consider myself just a spiritual being, and I believe in God, and but I don't really believe in like story, like the story of how things play, like the parables of things. I believe more so just that there's a a presence in this universe that's greater than myself. Yeah. And I'm connected to it. I do understand. Our oldest son is gay. And so the reality of it is, is I know in society today, 
there's a lot of pressure, especially in, in many religions, um, to hide that and, and feel, and people that do yeah. hide it are, are, I know they feel an abundance of shame um, in doing so. And so I just didn't know if that had played into some of those feelings that you were experiencing or whether it was all uh, pretty much external, you know, environment, school, kids, other people, etc. Yeah, I would probably say the, the, the latter. Yeah, it would be more so just that pressure. I never felt religious pressures, but, you know, where do those pressures come from, really? Like, where do they come from in society? It's a sociological question, because if you look at it, it comes from moral, the way that we interpret our morals, right? And that tends to come from religion. So there is the, the, the bridge. Yeah, the underpinnings are there. Yeah. The underpinnings, yeah. But in my direct experiences, no, I never really had that type of experience. Now, you talked about doing shadow work. So, like, you are really impressive in terms of kind of the work that I imagine that you're doing on yourself. I've never heard the term shadow work, but I, I yeah. love how it sounds. So, like, how do you yeah. how do you take yourself through that? Are you involved in, you know, being mentored by somebody else? Is this information that you've gathered along your life journey? Or is this, like, like how are you making these types of uh, inroads? Um, yeah, so my background is in counseling. I, I, I studied psychology, so I have a, a pretty strong relationship with um, different, like Carl Jung was definitely somebody who influenced my, my counseling approach. And a lot of the shadow work comes from, from that type of, you know, looking at archetypes and, and, and looking at our egos. And, and really the shadow work is about integration of ego. Throughout the course of our development, we, we develop a, uh, an ego to protect ourselves. And that kind of ego becomes our almost like our facade or our persona that we interact with the world through. And then the shadow work is really about looking at your, your ego, but in a way that we no longer reject those aspects of ourselves. We start to integrate them because, and we integrate them with love and acceptance. And the, the number one ingredient for me would be allowance, right? Like if I'm experiencing it, then I'm, I'm meant to be experiencing it for a reason. So I allow myself to have that experience whether I perceive it as negative or not. And that lack of resistance uh, uh, is basically what dissipates the energy behind the, the thoughts and feelings we have about ourselves, about the things we don't like. Because it's really an accumulation of energy, the thoughts and feelings we have about ourselves, the negative yeah. ones, it's, it's an, and it's an energy. So when we learn to move that energy, it allows it to release. And what, I, what I've realized with a lot of clients and myself is we accumulate these thoughts and feelings inside of us and then what ends up happening when we do this work, if we're unaware of it, we have these thoughts and feelings come up because we've repressed them for so long. And I describe it like there's layers inside of us. And when we do the healing work, they start to come up and they come up through thoughts and feelings and sensations. And we oftentimes judge that and we think that we haven't made progress in our spiritual journey uh, because we're having these old stuff coming up again. But really what it is is that the layers are being peeled back yes. in our internal onion. Yeah. So then what I teach my clients to do is to celebrate that. When you have these old thoughts and feelings come up, instead of judging them and rejecting them, learn to <clears throat> practice allowance with them and just and, and put a smile on your face when you have it because you know that it's releasing from you. And another layer of this stuff, this debris is being removed so you're getting closer and closer to your authenticity. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I can connect with that because, you know, having been through counseling as much as I, as I have – and again, I sing the praises of it all the time. But, uh, you know, one of the things yeah. that you learn in counseling is that whatever em emotions that are coming up, you, you let them wash over you. That's the best 
term that you know because if you if you fight it or resist it or or uh, feel awkward intimidated uh shameful whatever you know like to your point like you, you now you're attaching to it somehow so it's 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 you let it kind of flow yeah. through you and then peeling back like an onion i had been gone going to counseling for probably two or three years and all of a sudden my counselor just asked a question and in a moment i was taken back to when i was eight years old and i had the feelings of me at eight years old i had the emotion of me at eight years old all of that bubbled up and just well i like and just all he did was ask a question and out of nowhere like i just started flooding like all of this emotion um had come up in me and and was was coming out and he was like that this is good you know just let it wash over you just let you know yeah. but i think that's what you're talking about you know that when you get into some totally. of those sh- some of those shadows the, the some of those shadows yeah. are dark <laughs> shadows let me just say and then the, you know they yeah. come up and wash over you so that's that's so you help people through some of that yourself with what you're doing on the business side yeah definitely and um I want to speak a little bit to the energy that's happening right now in the universe because I'm, I'm very tapped in and I do a, a lot of work with collective consciousness as well as my own consciousness. But um, right now there's a big shift happening where we've been operating in this paradigm of, of a lot of masculine energy and even women, the women on this planet have been operating through this masculine energy and um, every human being on this planet has masculine and feminine aspects of energy inside of them. But over the course of, you know, centuries, men have really repressed the feminine energy inside of them. And what's happening right now is there's this big push on the planet, this energetic push where um, the feminine energy is, is rising. And a lot of men right now are experiencing a lot of uh, heightened emotions because they've been repressing this energy for a long time. So the work that I feel like I'm being called to do right now is help men embrace their feminine energy. But uh, the biggest barrier to that is shame, right? So how can we as men learn to become more in tune with our feminine energy so we can experience the softness, we can experience uh, the feelings of being held, um, being nurtured, and, and also nurturing. And the, I think the biggest thing about the, the, the feminine energy is about being, the beingness, whereas the masculine energy is about doingness. So we're starting to see this, this shift happening right now, and I'm, um, I just think it's really cool. And I, I think we're, we're going to be way better off to have a bit more balance in uh, the dynamic of human energy between masculine and feminine. Now you said there's, there's this shift going on right now. Are you, are you talking about the shift due to, you know, the pandemic or are you talking about something just uh, a coincidence to what's going on right now with, in the world with regard to the pandemic? Or, I mean, is that any connection you're trying to make there? You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's for me to really say, but I would, I, I would say this, that um, the pandemic is offering an environment for us to be able to go within and be with ourselves in presence, which is a very, very strong um, feminine quality, right? Um, so we're being, there's space being held for us right now. So whether this is um, Mother Earth creating this this experience for us or not, like, I, you know, that's, I, I do believe that, but, you know, it's um, definitely something that you kind of tune into and you can, you can feel, but I, I really do think that there's, there's this, this shift is taking place and that's, probably has something to do with it yeah well I, I will tell you that we're intimately familiar both Jen and I are with what you're saying because mm-hmm. in our relationship Jen is the man <laughs> and I am the the woman and so awesome. we, 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 we roll reverse you know like yeah. I'm the one that's yeah. sentimental and tries to be romantic more and I cry at commercials yeah. and movies and 
She says yeah, I have my time of the month. Yeah. <laughs> she says I have my time of the month once a month and <laughs> And I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah, more more the guy. I'm more the guy. No, I was just gonna say I think it's beautiful because we we need more of that and we're going to get more of that. It's gonna start to come because um even just the the, the men I'm attracting into my practice um there's so much more sensitivity right now and Mm -hmm. there's nothing more beautiful in my opinion because sensitivity is the gateway to our soul and to who we really are and if we can learn to practice uh, more authenticity through alignment which is aligning to the things that you don't like about yourself because those are really the things that prevent us from being authentic in the first place right i don't want to show up and be seen by others and be heard by others when i don't when i don't accept myself but if i learn to accept myself i'm more likely to show up and be seen and we all want someone to show up and be seen and, you know, to, to show up for us. But we also want to feel comfortable enough to be able to give that back to them. So I feel like, you know, the main reason why I do what I do is to help people um, come together in union and, 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 and connection so they can feel fulfilled, right? Because as human beings, there's nothing more fulfilling than having a beautiful connection, whether it be intimate or platonic. It's, uh, you know, yeah. it's very rewarding. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that's awesome. And, and I do, I, it's like the, the human experience, you know, a major part of that experience is, is emotion. So like I've, I've always said, I don't shy away from emotions. You know, I've been one of these guys that, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll let the tears flow. I'll, you know, I did, I, and I've never felt like it makes me less of a man at all. Right. I, I just, yeah, I, I just have felt like, you know, it's part of the experience mm-hmm. of, of being in a body, having emotions, part of your soul, part, part of your spirit. And right. Man, we only get uh, we only get one go round. So the reality of it is 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 soak it all up. Yeah, you know. I think a lot of men just suppress that. You know, they're afraid to cry yeah. in front of people or show emotion or show love, and maybe it goes back to their childhood. I don't know, but um, I think a lot of men are just afraid of that. Like it makes yeah. makes them feel less than. It 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 yeah. comes across as though it's it's exactly what Matt's saying. It comes across mm-hmm. more feminine, mm-hmm. and as a man, you're taught to be. A man, you know, right. like and not yeah. be feminine, right? You know, and I think that's where yeah. the disconnect occurs. Like, so there's a lot of suppression there, and when people yeah. suppress emotion, you know, you can only stuff it so long before it like acts like a volcano, and then all of a sudden it comes back yeah. up again, and well, or it manifests in other ways. We're, you know, we're, we are doing our part because we are raising four boys, and they all cry. <laughs> <laughs> they're all sensitive they love you know they love they t- you know we're, yeah. we're big touch folk you know so their love language is touch oh, yeah. and so you know affirmation we're doing our part and we're you know sending four boys out into the universe here and they're gonna be all yeah, sweet and loving and was well, it all right if I, I want them to be warriors too Oh, they have that too because <laughs> because I'm raising them. <laughs> oh, Jennifer, there she goes. You got She's... that warrior spirit. I, I was a Viking. I was told in a past life. <laughs> I just will never give you a sword to wield. I will just tell you that right now. I do not yeah. want any part of your masculine energy and directed toward me. I did hear one of our sons, Brayden, tell me that he thinks he's a Viking. He, yeah, yeah. This, this... So I'm rubbing off on them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's there's no question they come from their mama and their dad yeah. so we're doing our part yeah jen, jen and i yeah, are high school good. sweethearts we, we've been together since uh, we started dating when uh i was 18 she was 15 so we're going on 26 years being yeah. married and yep. wow four boys so and special. so yeah. it's uh yeah it's it's awesome it's a thousand percent awesome but yeah. uh it's 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 been an adventure but you know that that for me was always kind of a I'm an only child and, and, you know, I didn't have a terrible upbringing, but I will, I will say that I, I was 
bounced around a lot as a kid, went to a lot of different schools, was always the the new kid and didn't really know my father, my biological father until I was 10. And I only came to know him when I was 10 because my mom caught my stepfather uh, in bed with another woman. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, my biological dad comes out from California. We were in Idaho at the time picks this up and I'm introduced to my real biological father at that time. He's like, so surprise. Yeah. I, I, well, I'd known that, Holy. you know, my, my stepdad was not my dad, but it was like, you know, at 10, yeah, you know, it's, it's just all of a sudden we were uprooted and we, mm-hmm. we came out to California. But, um, so the, you know, the reality of it is, is I, I don't want to, I, I had, my mom was awesome. She, she did the absolute best that she could. She's to, still awesome. She is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like I, didn't have an awesome childhood, but I did not have a mom and dad stay at home like what we've produced for our kids, you know, like the consistency that that we have now. And so as a result of that, I I do think that, you know, I went through my fair share of challenges, but it wasn't until I had worked through my onion layers and it was not until I'd gotten into some of those shadows Mm -hmm. that I really, you know, started to, to, to kind of find some grounding. Yeah. You know, like, why do you make the decisions Mm -hmm. that you make? You got to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Like where, where is this, where is this being fueled from? And I think for me, it was, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 years old being told I was never going to be successful. I'd never amount to anything. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what my stepfather had said to me. So words matter. Words. Matt, I've I've realized that words are some of the most powerful Mm -hmm. things in the universe. What you speak, what you say about yourself, what you say to others, words are incredibly powerful. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I started to yeah. shift all of that, that, you know, I kind of came into my own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't like the saying, um, actions speak louder than words for that reason, because words inform our actions. So they're equally important, right? True. Yes. They, speak, true. they both speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, kind of going back yeah. to what you're saying about shame, I do, I do believe a lot of shame comes from words. Yeah. You of know, course. spoken over people and, and what they said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned derogatory terms over your sexuality. And I mean, that's like a that's like a shame sledgehammer, yeah. you know, being knocked over your head. Yeah. You're reminding exactly. me of uh, and, Game of Thrones right now. Yeah. Shame, shame. Yeah. When she was walking down <laughs> yeah. the, the, the street. Yeah. I had a visual. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what ends up happening is we internalize those words and they become our own words. Right. And. So being mindful of the language we use with ourselves is probably one of the most important things to our, our own healing is, you know, at least in the, in the early stages, we need to be mindful of how we talk to ourselves so we can understand the, uh, the inner dialogues that we're working with so we can start to transform it and, and move through and, and to further stages of our healing journeys, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you've been forged in fire. You, you, you went through your own challenges, now have come out on the other side. Now you are reaching out to your fellow humans to lift them up and help them through the same process. Man, that that is awesome. Talk about a rebirth. Talk about, yeah. you know, kind of changing, yeah. you know, breaking the cycle, breaking mm-hmm. the chains, and, and then coming into your true authentic self. Yeah, it's... Um, pretty exciting. You know, my purpose has always been the same throughout the course of, of you know, coming out of my addiction. I got, I went to, started going to school at around 20 and uh, not many people know this, but from 20 to 24 is when I did my schooling for, for counseling and I was using drugs in that period of time. So on the weekends, I would go out and I'd get, go on vendors and, and, and whatever. But then I finally cleaned up my act when I started getting into uh, counseling and coaching and actually working with clients. How, how did you overcome that? How did you, how did you go from binging and on the weekends to like 
cold turkey or or whatever like just <laughs> yeah. just giving it up you know i don't even know really i think you just when you know when you're in the in, in something you just kind of do it you're just adoptive and you just kind of do it and i actually had a pretty good gpa throughout the course of my university <laughs> came out with like i think it was 3.5 or something like that and i was uh you know using drugs not every weekend but for the most part you know almost every weekend and um i was just very lost yeah. you know and that was that was the biggest thing and and uh i started to um my healing journey actually really started when i was out of school school was a big foundation for me my healing it laid the foundation but it didn't actually allow me to go into the work as, as deeply um but then when i got uh, out of school and started working i, I started to work with peruvian sh- uh, shamanism and I, I developed a shamanic path for myself and not teaching or, or, or doing any of that, but just being a student of the work. And that was a very, very big part of developing my spirituality and then um, attending just different healing modalities like drumming circles and crystal bowl things and whatever. And that's kind of really where things start to open up for me. Like, But what it was, uh, looking back, is I, I attended a lot of things where it, it was somatically opening me up because I was so repressed in, in my body. Like, from years and years of holding things down that when I started to attend these healing circles and stuff, the vibration of the sound and the light and all that sort of stuff was really opening up my chakras. And that's where, when things started to come out and I started to become more in tune with my, my emotions again, because like I was not in touch with my emotions for probably a good decade. And then, yeah, I mean that, I mean, that's the basis of most drug addiction is to, is to not feel is to, to numb the pain, to numb whatever's going on that you do not, you know, so like you you just don't want to feel anything. Right. Yeah. And I think like, you know, going to school and and, uh, because in, in university for counseling, a lot of it is labs and counseling each other and you're doing a lot of healing work. I think that's what kept me, where I didn't have to use daily because I was starting the work. I was opening up a little bit, so I didn't need as much. So I was able to just kind of get by, um, not, not use during the week. And then on the weekends I would, and and that sort of stuff. So it was, you know, it's just, it's really a testament to, you know, the more work that you do, um, the less frequency you need the things that you're escaping from in the first place. Right. So, yeah. Agreed. Matt, how did you end up in Vietnam? Tell us that story. So Vietnam. So basically, um, over the course of the last um, probably year, I've been got. I got to this point where I just felt really uh, boxed in, and I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this who've, who've struggled with addiction in their life, where you get kind of boxed into yourself because you you go through a period of, of feeling out of control and your life's out of control, and then when you clean up and sober up, you kind of you, you know you you, you fall into this this routine and and um sobriety ends up becoming something that just you know you have to be very structured so i i took that along my path for probably about 10 years of just being extremely rigid and um boxed in and very much of a homebody and just kind of just doing my thing and, and finding sobriety and i actually developed a lot of like extreme behaviors around like eating healthy and becoming a health nut after after having an addiction too so that it was um I just got to this point probably about seven or eight months ago where I wanted to just shake things up in my life and I packed up all my stuff and, and put it in storage and then I moved overseas. So I started out my trip in Chiang Mai, Thailand and did about three months there and then I've been in Vietnam for three months and my plan was to go to Bali for three months after this, but I it's looking like I'll probably try and go home back to Calgary um, 
in in June if I can, if the virus is calmed down by then. But it's not. I'll probably look at maybe just staying here um, a bit longer if I can. But um, so yeah, I think on on this adventure, I call it my adventure of a lifetime. I've wanted to really just practice some some spiritual concepts that I've that I've struggled with for, for you know most of my life, which is um, you know letting go of control and surrendering you know impermanence which is basically just understanding that everything has a beginning and everything has an end, right? Nothing's ever, ever forever. So it's for some reason that concept just has really made me sad and made me like, you know, grasp on to, to things and attach to things in a way that maybe isn't as healthy. Um, so I've been learning, you know, practicing non-attachment to people and things and, and whatnot in a way that um, I can still find happiness in them, but I don't have to control them or glom onto them or be dependent on them for my happiness. And, so yeah, this this adventure has been really cool for that because I've uh, you know I I I'm in a place for three months. I I just start to establish roots and I meet people, and then it's time to up, pack up and leave. Right. So it's like <laughs> um, I just did my first one. I, I well not just about three months ago. Um, I left Chiang Mai after meeting a bunch of great people and you know finding all the great spots, and then you just start to feel good there. And then I, I uprooted and came to Vietnam. So it was it was good. But yeah, I definitely went through a process for a couple of weeks where I felt really anxious. And but yeah, that's what it's all about. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you when I gave up alcohol in 2009, you know, the decision that you make, it does have consequences. And so pretty much every friend I had at that time, I also gave up, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah, you, you, you know, it's just that that you to your point, you had to have structure. You know, you could not, you know, it's like you had no foundation and like now you have a foundation. So you attach to that foundation. Okay. I, I, you know, this is working. I got, I got to, I can't be in situations where I'm going to be exposed to alcohol. I can't be here. I can't exactly. be there. And, you know, so like, I, I totally get it. I get how you put yourself in a box. Now, Jen and I, we had a similar upbringing, you know, in the first five, six years of our life, you know, I don't think we, either of us attended a school for a whole year. So the whole uprooting and, mm-hmm. you know, being the new kid and going to the new, you know, like that, that, that doesn't have nearly as much appeal to me now as it, as, as it might you, but, um, yeah. you know, the, but I, I love that. I, I, you know, there's something about that. It's, it's like you got into 10 years worth of like, okay, I'm going to be just in this box and I'm going to be very rigid to you recognizing that that's probably not the best way to live to then going to the opposite screen. I'm going to pick up everything I got. I'm going to move, you know, on the other side of the world and, you know, put myself in a situation where I have no resources. I'm highly uncomfortable. I'm going to figure it out. And just right about the time I get comfortable, (laughs) I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. You know, I like that though. Like, I mean, Thailand, Vietnam, and possibly Bali? Like he's he's like, our, he's yeah. our he's our dream vacationer yeah. right now. Like we we've not been to Thailand. We want to go. You just We'd, think yeah. of all the new Bali? restaurants and yeah. food. <laughs> Jen and I love exploring. Yeah. We we have a place yeah. down in Mexico, and and so we we oh, we okay. bought down in. Uh, Cabo San Lucas area, the Los Cabos area. And so like we loved exploring right. it. And I think we're both n- missing that because now we know every little nook and cranny and mm-hmm. hole in the wall place. And But I think yeah. the, the one thing I would be very uncomfortable with is just not knowing people, you know, like just going yeah. and that would scare me. So maybe I should do it. you should see the smile she has on her face well maybe i should do it now (laughs) maybe i should go to bali by myself and you know play with the elephants i don't know yeah they're in thailand they are yeah and i I didn't get to go i was so bummed like so the last two weeks before i was in 
uh, left to come to Da Nang in Vietnam here, I got a really, really bad case of food poisoning where I was pretty much knocked out for 10 days straight from food oh, poisoning. It was so bad. And I was going to, the last few weeks, I had all these things planned to kind of wrap up my trip. And one of them was to go bathe the elephants in the river. And yes. um, I didn't get around to doing it. So it's still on my bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Like, what? what is the pandemic like there? What are What are people like right now in Vietnam? So it's communists here, right? So everybody listens to the government and they are all super like, it's, they're the rule followers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's good for that because they've they have no curve because of that. Because everybody's respecting everybody wears masks here anyway. Like even before the pandemic started, everybody wears masks here because it's Asia, right? People are just they're trained mm-hmm. to wear them, mm-hmm. and they've been through a lot more pandemics than we have with the flus and the swine flu and the you know SARS and all that stuff. It all originates in Asia typically. So it's yeah, they're just a lot more programmed to be able to to become more comfortable with wearing masks and stuff, but. What I'm experiencing here is a bit of, um, I wouldn't really call it racism, but maybe a bit of xenophobia with the government. In the first few cases that came to Da Nang and Vietnam in general were foreigners. And um, so they, the government was, was saying this on the news, obviously. And so a lot of the people have been really um, afraid of foreigners. So for the first time in my life, I've experienced like, you know, people being like discriminating against me for um, of being a visible minority, right? Like mm-hmm. I've obviously been discriminated against for being gay, but it, it, people don't typically know I'm gay until I tell them, right? Right. So yeah, it's been interesting in that respect. But as far as like, it's, I, I don't feel worried here. I feel very, very safe here. That's good. The people are very friendly. And uh, before the pandemic, I had a month here before the pandemic started. And I'm, I was, you know, telling people and posting on my social media that the, the Vietnamese people are probably the most friendly people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. They're so so friendly and so kind like they would come like walking up to me and they'd like ask to take pictures with me and they wanted they'd be like come sit down and have a beer even though they didn't speak english they would like wave me over and want me to like come and sit with them and just like so cool you know what i mean and, and i didn't experience that in thailand at all like people were very actually kind of a lot more reserved there and but vietnamese people are very open and engaging which i really appreciate now I want to go to Vietnam I know, instead of Thailand. One of the things we love about Mexico in Cabo, they're the same way. I yeah. we love that. Yeah. Like, Sweet, endearing, loving, yeah, affectionate. They just want you to yeah. come and share a meal. Like, come eat with us. Come sit with us. Yeah. I love yeah. that. In America, it's so cool. Yeah, in America, we we have the whole you can't sit with us thing. <laughs> So yeah. it's just it's nice. It's the same in Canada. It's yeah. Like, yeah, like not, very much influenced by that. I don't like it at all. Not, not even not sit with you. People won't even look at you. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like right now what we're experiencing here in the States is like if you, <laughs> we, really we, 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 we live in the woods. And so <laughs> there's a lot of trails by our house. And so people have um, broke the rules, you know, which I get. Like at some point you just are tired of being home and maybe you want to take your family out and go get some fresh air or something like that. But like, we'll, we'll see people uh, on the trail. People won't even look at you. Yeah. Like, it's like, they yeah. think that if they look at you somehow, something's going to get them. They're gonna, yeah. It's, yeah, a, yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. It's an instant transfer between our eyes. I see you <laughs> look at my eyes. I'm going to give yeah. you the Corona with my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're always what state like, are you guys in. Uh, we're in California. So we're about okay. uh, 45 minutes outside of Lake Tahoe. And okay, uh, yeah. about 45 minutes outside of Sacramento. So about halfway in between the, the two is, uh, is yeah. where we live. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. 
So be- beautiful weather today. It's a, it's a gorgeous uh, day today, but it's, um, you know, this is the first or second day I think that we've had. It's been raining. It's been intermittent. Yeah, I think the problem is when you're when you shelter in place and stay at home and then you compound that in April with having like a whole bunch of rain too. It's like, ugh. <laughs> like you just are, you just crave the sun, I think is, is exactly, the problem. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. There's yeah. a lot of people that are anxious. There's a lot of people that are feeling overwhelmed. There's a lot of people that feel um, a loss of control right now. And yeah. I think you've, you've gone through all of that in your life. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that you have equipped yourself to be able to, to, to deal with this. So I'm, I'm interested at how you yourself are weathering the whole challenge of this idea of a pandemic across the world. And then secondary to that, you know, for the people that are listening, you know, what encouragement would you offer them? What would you say to them if they're feeling anxious and a loss of control and maybe worried about, you know, anything from finances to health to whatever, like how, how would you uh, speak with them? Well, I would tell them to get my book. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote a book on this, this exact topic. So it's, yeah, be the space. Okay. Uh, and then the tagline is a, a loving guide to creating inner space through present moment awareness. So basically it's, it's the wisdom that I've accumulated over my years of uh, how to overcome the suffering of the mind. So anxiety, depression, uncertainty, all of these things are conditions that are created in the mind. The mind only lives in past or present. It doesn't, or, or only lives or, or past or future. It can't live in the present moment. The present moment happens in our, in our body, right? In the essence of who we are. So what I do is I teach people how to become more present in their life because, and that, that requires us to be able to master our mind is what I call it. So there's two, two kind of categories in the book and, one is master your mind and the other is befriend your body. Mm. So we have to be able to master our mind before we can befriend our body because when we go to draw our attention to our body, our mind becomes very active because it doesn't want to get abandoned by us. So it, it, it becomes very, very chattery. So people that suffer with insomnia, they have an overactive mind and overactive thinking. They can't shut their mind off because their mind is very untrained. So basically what I would say to people is just spend a little uh, uh, some time every day being in your presence and drawing your attention downward, right? If you, if you ever notice, we, uh, when you play with your internal gaze, we, people always draw it upwards, right? They're always, we're, we're so conditioned to draw upwards and go to our thinking, right? And even if you watch people's eyes, when, they're, when, when you ask them a question, they draw their, their inner gaze upwards because their eyes kind of slightly move up. So what I say is just kind of try and be a present with that and notice when it's happening and then try and draw your, your eyes and your internal gaze downwards into your body. There's an exercise that I do every morning. So basically what I do is in the morning, my, my alarm goes off and I kind of rub my eyes. I give myself like a few minutes to wake up and then I stay laying down in my bed and I set my alarm for X amount of time. So lately I've been doing 11 minutes and I, I just count from one to 10 and then from 10 to one, one to 10, 10 to one. And when my mind wanders, I bring it back to counting. So I'm kind of starting my day out by training my mind to be focused, right? Because Focused attention is so, so crucial for so many things, right? Because if our mind is always running off on us, all sorts of things, past memories or future surfing or anything, that's where the misery of life transpires, right? When we learn to be the master of our mind instead of our mind being the master of us, we can find inner stillness and inner peace. And then the second piece of befriending the body would be once you learn how to master the mind, you can draw your, your attention downward. 
and you can start to be present with the sensations of your body, which only live in the present moment. They don't live in past or future where the ang- or the anxiety and the, the uncertainty and all that sort of stuff um, exists. That is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I want to use some of those techniques there. Yeah. You know, honestly, that was really, yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. Where can we get your book? Yeah, where, cool. where is it available? Let's plug you. So it's only available on Amazon. So well, I've that's got a perfect. Kindle version and I've got a paperback version. Amazon and, comes uh, to my house so, every day. Yeah, at the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's great. So the back of the book, I've, I've got my top 16 exercises that I've used over the course of the last 14 or 15 years to really practice calming my mind and learning how to befriend my body. And it's, I, I obviously always want to tell people that it's a, it's a, it's a daily practice. If I don't do it for a few weeks, I slip back into old things because it's, it's, we need to make sure that we're always giving ourselves space, right, internally. And if we, if we spend all of our time in, in our days scrolling through social media and filling our lives with external stimuli, we don't have a lot of space inside of ourselves. And we, we need that inner space in order for us to be able to experience things like love and joy and connection because otherwise we don't feel like we have the capacity for that because we're so self-involved with all the the things that are filling us up, right? So it's about creating space, which is why I call it be the space so you can kind of be in that energy of spaciousness inside of yourself. I, I love that. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's so true. Like, but your phraseology and your description of the body being in the present and the mind either being in the past or the future, like I just immediately went to my own experiences and I've never had anybody describe it that way. Right. And um, I think once you did, it, it had a connection for me because like I, I am very much in my mind. Like if you, if you were to um, imagine what my time in my mind is spent thinking about if I bet you 90% of my time is spent thinking about the future, maybe 10% of it spent thinking about the past. Like I'm not really a look back kind of guy at all. And I'm always, I'm always thinking about the future, but you know, my wife will tell you that she's the one that's got to bring me into the present, you know, most of the time. So, (laughs) you know, like you, like seriously, like you can forget to live, like you can, you can forget to, to appreciate the, the moment and present. Yeah. And I, and I think that right now for a lot of people, um, there's a lot of fear going on and, you know, and, and I believe in faith over fear. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this conversation with somebody um, that had been a guest on the on the show, and he says, you know, like one of the things you need to do to combat fear right now, I think, is you know, only give yourself maybe five minutes of news in the morning, five minutes of news at night, yeah. and that's it. Like nothing, nothing yeah. in the in between. Don't obsess about it. Yeah, and I, and I think that there are a exactly. lot of people that are obsessing about it, but like. If you think about both faith and fear, they both require you to believe in something that you can't see. They both require you to believe in something that you can't know Mm -hmm. for sure. Very true. You know, and so one requires you to believe in a positive outcome. One requires you to believe in a negative outcome. And so, like, I, I do think faith is you know, faith in a higher power, faith in a higher being, faith in God, faith in, in, in your abilities, but you know, faith in general is a positive emotion. Whereas, you know, fear is, is negative. And I think for a lot of people, uh, right now fear can take over. So to get outside of that, to be present, to Mm -hmm. look inward, to look downward, I think you're right. You ask somebody a question, they don't know the answer. They ought to, uh, eyes always go up, you know, that's like, FBI yeah. training 101 that, on how to spot a liar. That's where your thinking cap is. <laughs> your thinking yeah. cap is up. Yeah, exactly. You think, your thinking cap is up? <laughs> yeah, like I always like, I always look up because that's where I'm going to get the answers. <laughs> it's yes, up there. This yeah. is true. 
But yeah. you know, you know what's cool is a lot of the answers to our purpose and to our truth actually reside down. Oh, right? When you start to get in touch with the sensations of your body, I now let my mind or my tummy make my decisions for me because I wait, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Your tummy? To your t- my tummy, yeah. Oh, I, I don't want my tummy making my decisions. <laughs> <laughs> this could be bad. Yeah. This could be real Not bad, Matt. <laughs> I've been doing it all wrong. My mind makes my food decisions for me. <laughs> I've been doing it way wrong. But I, 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 I do intuitive. Um, so I, I, I coin myself as a transformation coach, author, and intuitive. So I do, I, I've been gifted, the, well, I, I didn't realize it was a gift until I was about 25, but being an empath. And I've really developed um, an intuitive clairsentient ability in the course of the last few years where I'm able to connect to other people's feelings and thought energy through my own. So I, I'm, I'm guided by that. But for, even for myself, I tune into my, my tummy and I feel what sensation is speaking to me about how I should proceed. And um, it's really cool because I'm so aligned to myself right now because I'm, I'm doing that and I'm listening to what my purpose is. And uh, my mind and my ego will always chime in and say, no, but you should do it this way because you want to mm-hmm. have more followers or you want to have more business opportunity or you want to have this. But every time I follow that, I end up stressed out and I end up anxious and I end up in a place where I don't want to be. And lately I've been following my intuition and listening to the sensations in my body and I'm feeling so aligned to where, I'm, where I am with, with my business, with myself. Uh, my relationships. It's really cool. And I've, I've all, this is my second week now off of social media. And it was a really hard decision for me because my whole business is built into social media. And I just got to a point where I felt like I cannot maintain this right now. I'm like, I need stillness. I need to be with myself because I was starting to get caught up in all the fear and all the, the anxiety that everybody else was caught up in. So I've, I'm now in my second week, coming to the end of my second week, actually, uh, as of tonight, um, away from social media except for messaging so I can co- stay in contact with clients or potential clients, but no scrolling. That's really incredible, actually. Like two weeks. It's been so profound. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I definitely and, recommend and I it. I recommend us- it. I think everyone should kind of take a little yeah, break. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to give a piece of advice for p- people who are listening to that are that are going through a tough time right now mm-hmm. where they're finding that they're future surfing and they're they're going into the, the financial fears and the fear of our own mortality and the fear of our family's mortality and all that sort of stuff is place both your hands over your heart and just take a pause and take a bunch of deep breaths and just remind yourself of where you are in this moment. You're safe in this moment. So pull yourself back from the future and come back to the present moment now because you won't be in fear when you do that. We're only in fear True. because we're creating scenarios that aren't actually real outside of ourselves and we need to bring ourselves back inside of ourselves and everything will just dissolve. Stated stated differently, a lion lion is not attacking me right now in this moment. So I am safe. When I concentrate on this moment, I'm safe. I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm alive. I'm keeping both of my hands on my heart all day. You are? Yeah, because that means I'm safe all day, right? Exactly. See? So so don't look at me weird when I haven't moved. (laughs) 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 I'm still with you. So what what about your how, what about your coaching, Matt? So how does how does somebody connect with you if they're interested in taking a deeper dive into uh, some of the concepts and some of the ideas that you've shared with us today? Uh, so everything's on my website. So it's Matt Lancedel, M A T T L A N D S I E D E L dot com, and everything's on there. You can basically just find me on I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram. 
and I offer a, a complimentary discovery coaching call for people that um, basically we just talk a bit about what's going on in your story and I explain my services and how they work. Yeah, there's, you really got nothing to lose except for whatever, 15, 20 minutes of your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, and we I, have time right yeah. now. We have yeah. lots of time. And yeah. uh, I found you on Instagram. I loved your handle, Inspired to be Authentic. Always be authentic. Yeah, so that's, that's the podcast. I'm just starting. I'm just getting it going now. I've uh, got four interviews scheduled, and I'm, um, it's been something I've been wanting to do for a while, but it just never felt aligned, never felt right. So now I'm feeling like it's coming coming together. So the, the podcast is all about taking people through the journey of me. I'm going to be interviewing people that I feel are living their most authentic and aligned life to their purpose and, and how, they, how they've done it and the barriers and hurdles that they overcome to get to that place. And my hope is to inspire people to live more authentically so that they can have more connection in their life. That's what this all comes down to for me is connection because I want to see people um, flourish in connection and be able to take off their masks and show up in the in their essence and just and celebrate that that's what the human experience is meant to be about is us all dancing together with our masks off right when you're hiding behind a mask you don't really get to experience life the way it's meant to be felt so i have a dream that people can can come in and step into that beautiful energy and and live their their most essence-filled authentic life yeah that's a great dream and and i love what you're doing and Mm -hmm. i think you're uh your approach, your wisdom, the wisdom that you've learned over your own journey, I think is going to be such a huge benefit to others. And, you know, I think that I think that for those people that have been through a transformative experience, it, it really it becomes a blessing in disguise. It may not feel like a blessing when you're going through it. You know, I know that for mm-hmm. me, 2008, 2009, the upheaval of my life and Everything that yeah. happened then, it did not feel like a blessing at the time, but I look back on it now and, and it certainly was, mm-hmm. you know, I'll categorize it that way. And, it, and it's equipped me to be able to deal with things that I never would have thought 15, 20 years ago, I'd have the capacity to deal with. And yeah. I do, I do think that what you're doing is awesome. I think you're going to be incredible at it. Um, no, thank I, you. I'm looking forward to hearing your podcast. I'm looking forward to yeah. getting the book. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, they're sweet. Yeah. This would be great. That's great. I have time to read now, so. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, it's I have good. catching up on these books. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much. You've been an awesome, awesome guest. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your wisdom, yeah. sharing some of your um, authentic life with us. You've been real. Yeah, You've exactly. certainly been authentic yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been candid, and um, you know I, I really appreciate uh, you know having you come on at ten o'clock at night yeah. almost in uh, Vietnam, and, yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, join, join our little podcast here. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the meaningful conversation. I always appreciate uh, this type of conversation. So, oh, thank you. you're welcome. Yes. Well, Jennifer, what were your thoughts on our interview with Matt? I honestly really like Matt. I I liked everything he had to say. It was very interesting to me, and I cannot wait to get his book. I'd love to sit down with him and have a water. A water? Yeah. <laughs> okay, like a LaCroix? Yeah. Okay. And just uh, just talk with him. He's he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I don't drink anymore, and I don't know if he drinks or not, but the reality of it is, is I'd like to sit down and have a water with him. There's other things than water. Like what? Orange juice. True. A green juice. True. 
you know, celery juice. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stick with water. Okay. He's in Vietnam. I think it's humid there. Okay. But no, hey, in all seriousness, Mm -hmm. absolutely awesome interview. Loved his perspective. Loved his talk about, you know, like your, your mind only takes you into the future or into the past. Yeah. You know, your body takes you into the present. Right. Your body is in the present. I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's very profound. I, I loved all the information and it was really, really great talking to him. Yeah, it was. And um, I, I feel like my onion is a little bit more open now. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to peel back more of that onion. Yeah. Peel back more of my layers. Yes. All the layers. That's what I love about doing this podcast is we did it to help others but the reality of it is is that we're getting so much awesome information well yeah like every single interview we do we walk away and we're like wow like that really was great information for us like we feel hope-filled and happy and we can't wait to talk to the next guest every single time uh and speaking of which i'm excited to share with you that we've got quite a list of people that we're going to be talking to so okay. i'm super excited about who else we're going to meet what else we're going to learn and how our onions are going to get transformed well you know what i love about that is i never know who we are talking to until we call them up <laughs> so i'm always like excited i'm like who are we talking to what's this going to be about so i know i like keeping you that way that way you are surprised and interested all in one yeah you've got to keep me interested that is for sure all right on to the next one eh hey (laughs) (laughs) oh